like literally have to hide my hands because he like, <laughs> like, just, them like off. go crazy because <laughs> puppies do go through that hand phase don't they where they're just like those hands feed me where's he's the like, food he's so obsessed like and just will just like gnaw and just like he like goes into like a little frenzy <laughs> i love him i love him he's the best little gremlin <laughs> Oh, oh, you want up here? Are you going to lay down? Wasted all that energy eating. <laughs> oh, hello. <buddy>. Goodbye. <laughs> Did you pick him up with his harness? Yeah. It's so handy. Multi-purpose. I do that, or like I'll, or like because they have like so much neck skin, and you can like yeah. literally just like neck skin them. Yeah, that's how I pick up my cat. Stop it. Are you ready? <laughs> Link will get a backup too. All right, I'm good to go now. Cool. I'll do an intro, and then we'll get started. <clears throat> Thank God it's Friday. You're listening to TGIF, the horror movie podcast that brings you all the casual conversations about your favourite or not-so-favourite horror movies with your host, me, Kat. This week, I am joined by your favourite disco horror cult daddy, filmmaker and host of the Bloody Blunts Cinema Club podcast, Devon. Welcome. Hello. Thank you very much. And yes, thank goodness it is Friday. I usually yeah. work on the Friday. I usually work on Friday, so instead of uh, working tonight, getting to talk one of my favorite movies, much better uh, <laughs> use of a Friday. Mind you, uh, it's a little unfortunate while you are home. So yes, uh, the 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 vid got me, and you know it, it is what it is. But you know, I'll get past it, and then hopefully I'll be good as good as new. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so tell us a little bit about your podcast. It was a mouthful for me to try and get that out. <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah. like, I'm going to say this slowly. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm a, I'm a sucker for alliteration, um, whenever I write stuff. Um, but yeah, Blade Blunt Cinema Club, um, is basically every month we choose a different theme and the podcast is basically focuses on subgenre. Um, I think it's, you know, very interesting how, you know, we have, horror as this very big umbrella but then at the same time there are so many you know more subgenres and like you know you can get them even more specific you know into like very specific subgenres i like to see the things that kind of connect within that so it's like each month we'll pick a theme and then um i have a guest on as well and then we'll either they'll pick a movie and i'll pair it with something or if it's like a really good movie we'll just focus on that or sometimes we'll even do a whole franchise like you, you never really know but um you know nice. it's a it's a good time and i just get very stoned while i do it so that's, <laughs> that's the the crux there uh smoking weed makes me anxious so i i, I would love to <laughs> but it's like See? a I don't, it's weird Oh, yeah, no, I mean, it affects everybody differently, like, because I use it personally for, like, everyday anxiety and stuff, like, yeah. um, like, you know, I can't really, like, slow my thoughts down if I'm, like, yeah. if I don't, like, smoke consistently, um, so, I mean, aside from, you know, also, like, in, enhancing the movie experience a lot of the times as well, you know, especially with 
the movie we're talking about today, I kind of like oh, yeah. live to find <laughs> movies that are better when you like watch them on substances because you know I indulge in other things besides green as well, but fair, that's fair. neither here nor there. <laughs> and uh, I am a full supporter of recreational drug use as long as people are safe. Um, exactly. I am waiting for weed to get legalized here um, so that they can start producing edibles because then I'm s- I'll be straight on that. <laughs> yeah, and see that's what I always recommend to people that if they are if they uh, get anxious whenever they smoke flour, then I always li- I'm like, you know, edibles are a little bit different. They're more body centric and uh, you know, you yeah. can kind of get the the use out of it that way or like also like, you know, trying flour that is part THC but also equal part CBD as well which kind of yeah. like takes some of the edge off of some of the like higher uh concentrated flowers but like yeah edibles is always a really great alternative. Yeah, I just find that um Australian uh like growers here aren't as knowledgeable as in the states maybe because it's just not it's a like a taboo culture here. We are, yeah, mm-hmm. it gets really like, oh, no, don't do that. Whereas, like, my family, we don't give a shit. But um, my sister usually makes, like, can of, can of butter and will make, like, yep. brownies or cookies or something. And I always miss out every time she makes them because I'm not around. And I'm like, damn it. <laughs> yeah, if you, can, if you can make can of butter, pretty much anything that requires oil, you can make into an edible. So, like, That's cookies, so cakes, like, I've made granola bars, like... Ooh. All, yeah, all sorts of uh, interesting little treats you can make. Yeah, recently my sister had made brownies and sent my grandma home with a brownie, and she didn't realize that you don't eat the whole thing. Mm, that's always the case with edibles. <laughs> and she got oh, so man. sick, and I was like, I was like, Grandma, are you okay? And she's like, Yeah, I ate this brownie, and I was like, Whoa, 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 whoa! I was like, Was that one of Emily's brownies? <laughs> and she's like, Yeah. And I was like, Oh, you don't eat the whole thing. <laughs> No, don't do that. (laughs) Yeah, dosing with edibles is so important. Like I've eat, like I mean, I have a pretty high tolerance, but like I remember I hit my limit whenever I like first started like figuring out edibles and stuff, and like I was literally paralyzed to the couch for like six hours. (laughs) I was like, I was having an in body, out of body experience. (laughs) Like, I was there, and I was aware, but I was not there. <laughs> was it just like, get me out of this flesh prison? Like, I literally could not move. I, I oh, could feel no. the, I could feel drool coming down my oh. mouth, but I couldn't lift my hand to wipe it. Like, <laughs> Oh, that just reminds me of every Saturday night when I was about 16. <laughs> exactly. I was just like, uh. <laughs> oh, God, that sounds horrible. Oh, yeah, I can't wait for... I just want, like, gummy bears. That'd be cool. I've never tried... Like, I was in LA um, in 2018, and I thought because I was Australian that I'm not allowed to go to a dispensary. Uh, You are. And I was like, what? And I didn't know until I left. And I was like, I could have been getting high on edibles every night in my hotel, looking at the Hollywood lights. (laughs) It would have been sick. Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, you could have even had it, like, delivered to you and stuff. Like, that's how, like, that's how, like, open it is here. Like, I mean, you know, it wasn't always that way. I mean, it happened so fast in the past five years, too. So it's like as soon as it is legalized in Australia, like, you guys will catch up like super fast. Yeah, I really hope so. And I really hope that, you know, especially for medicinal purposes that it, it gets through. Like I'd rather, you know, people for their mental health and for their actual physical health have access before, you know, a casual user like me would 
have access. That's what I'm more concerned about. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, definitely, like, you know, needing, um, you know, to just to give people that option, you know. Yeah, like, exactly. It, it is just very nice, like. Um, yeah, my grandma yeah. smokes weed for pain. She's got severe arthritis, like her body is riddled. And so, yeah. She, oh, poor Grammy. Yeah, but I mean, I'm pretty sure she used to get high all the time when she was younger, so that's cool. <laughs> Oh yeah, like my my dad, he's a big stoner. <laughs> my dad's a big stoner too. Like he's, nice. I mean, he's smoked like my my whole life. I always knew, and like it would yeah. always be funny. Like him, he would send me and my friends to you know the gas station, like go get him like snacks. And my friends would always be like, my my friends would always <laughs> be like, man, mom. you're. Da-, they'd be like, yeah, my friends would be like, man, your dad really likes Reese's. I'm like, yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> he's <right>? obsessed <laughs> with them. Like, yeah, he's obsessed with candy. What can I tell you? <laughs> my mom would just get heaps high and be like, you know what, I really want some hot chips and we'd be like yes yes we're getting takeaway for dinner <laughs> it's great now because like when me and my dad like talk on the phone or we like facetime we'll like both like smoke at the same time so it's, <laughs> it's like we're smoking together in person like we still get the the experience together it's uh, it's pretty great <laughs> that's awesome my dad is an ex-cop so i don't get that <laughs> i don't get no. to have that bonding experience <laughs> He uh he uh he knows that I'm a very uh progressive like recreational drug user slash anti-capitalist so and he's just like like as long as he's not trying to fight it he's just like well if I'm not going to join you I won't fight it either. Yeah, he's just like it's always here we go again. Cats ringing. <laughs> oh fuck. <laughs> What's happened? He must get like the worst sense of dread every time my phone number comes up on his phone. I know. He's like, oh man, what's the what's the subject on the ledger today? <laughs> uh, especially because of uh, like just COVID and everything that's going on. I just have a very strong hatred for my government at the moment. So he's just like, oh, oh no. He's like, Kat, you do know I'm not the government anymore, right? <laughs> you don't have to take this out on me. I didn't do this to you. <laughs> My poor dad. Dad, I love you. He doesn't listen to the podcast. He doesn't like horror movies. <laughs> Aww. He, although it's his fault because he brought home The Sixth Sense the year that it came out because he's like, I like M. Night Shyamalan, so we're going to watch The Sixth Sense. Yep, he started it. See, it's maybe if it, maybe if he smoked some weed, he would enjoy them. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I would seriously, I think I'd just drop dead if I ever saw my dad smoke weed. <laughs> like, just from sheer shock. Like, holy fuck, dad is, like, smoking a joint. I'm dead. That'd be it. <laughs> like, can I interest you in a jazz cigarette, dad? <laughs> My dad is really uh, like a like a straight line kind of person, right? And before we get started, I have to I have to laugh about this. But he called me with some good news. Now I'm 31, and he's like, "Oh, daddy's got some good news for you." And I'm like, "Oh, dad, can we just, can we not use the word daddy anymore?" <laughs> yeah, like it, it, this takes on a different meaning now. Like we can't, we can't. Yeah, especially don't refer to yourself. Oh. 
to me no 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 stop that <laughs> especially because my dad doesn't have daddy energy he just has dad energy. <laughs> like that's like, it. like no 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 you are not a dad you are strictly dad dad, dad. that is it <laughs> i'm really sorry to break it to you i was like dad i have daddy energy you have dad energy. <laughs> and he's Let's... like he's like what does this even mean it's <laughs> yeah, just like can i go now <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised my family just don't hang up on me because they're just like, fuck this. <laughs> like, fuck with listening to this shit. Um, <laughs> oh, we gotta love them. Love, shout yeah. out to all the dads. Dads are just, they're, they're such special creatures. <laughs> yeah, and the daddies too. But separately to the dads. Separately to the dads. <laughs> yeah, separately to the dads. <laughs> um, so today we're actually talking about Mandy. And I had only watched it for the first time when you were like, let's, let's do Mandy. I don't know what's wrong with me. Uh, I, I'm <laughs> so happy that I uh, got to introduce you to it. Um, you know, cause it is, it is one of those movies that like, you never know how people are going to react to it. But at the same time, it's just like, it's just great to, to show people. I mean, I feel like that goes with a lot of Nick Cage movies. Um, that's like basically like anytime, whenever, if I'm like watching a Nick Cage movies with a friend, I'm like, Hey, I'm like, I haven't seen this. It's Nick Cage. So who knows how this movie's going to be? I was like, the movie itself might not be great, but at least we are going to be entertained. Like I, I can always uh, promise that at least. And, uh, but like Mandy's definitely well as ones like, I mean, even for a lot of horror fans, like it's not a lot of people's cup of tea, but at the same time, like this did does have like such a, strong like cult following already and i mean you know because for the people that did enjoy this movie like this is very much like your shit if you do enjoy like this type of movie yeah it's very um like you say i think you said something to me about it being just a massive acid trip and i was like all right i'm in i'm in yeah it's like (laughs) like it's this you know this beautiful just like nightmarish you know i mean because the whole thing, it's like, it feels fantastical. Like, every time I watch it, I'm always like, you know, I mean, there's, like, the shot, like, the very end. But it's like, is this even on Earth? Like, it feels like it is. But at the same time, it doesn't feel like it is, you know. So, it, like, has this fantasy element, like, you know, ingrained in it already. And then it just, like, you just get deeper and darker into it. And then you, like, realize, like, oh, this isn't a fantasy. Like, I'm I'm in hell. Like, yeah. like that's what we're really at, you know, here. It's really great. And oh, I didn't, it just felt, I, like, I love Nick Cage films. Um, him in A Color Out of Space, where he's just, like, this in-denial dad. And it's just, like, there are things growing off your family members. <laughs> What are you doing? Oh, I mean, I am a big Nick Cage enthusiast. Um, big time. I love Nick Cage. I've just always loved everything he's about. Like, you know, like he, because like people, you know, see, you know, see him and they just like sometimes think like, oh, he's like the guy that goes crazy all the time. And it's like, no, no, no. Like there is a whole like method behind it. Like it's like, it, like, you know, when you think of like controlled chaos, like, that's Nick Cage, like, because, like, he has purpose in, like, all the things that he does, and, and I think it's so great that, you know, especially these, like, past five years, like, I mean, he's always dabbled in, he's dabbled in genre films here and there, like, throughout his career, 
but like really the past like five or six years like he is like really just immersed himself in the genre world you know whether it be between this or mom and dad and willie's wonderland that just came out as well i mean he's like i mean he's really killing the genre game he's got a movie uh he's in a scion sono movie coming up like yeah, I, mean, I really want to say that Oh, it's going to be batshit. Like, I can't wait. So it's like, I, I, I love that he's embraced, you know, the genre film world and he's just having fun with it. And um, and and it's also cool because it's like, I've realized he takes chances like on directors as well. Like, you know, this was only Panos Cosmato's second film ever. And so, you know, but Nick Cage, he'll do that a lot of times. He'll work with a lot of first time directors just if he like thinks their idea is interesting and like he believes in a film. He's like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. Because like, he just like really loves acting and making movies. And like, I don't think a lot of people realize that sometimes. Yeah. But uh, Nick Cage is a, a national treasure, if you will. Yes. Uh, did you watch Pig? I still, I haven't watched Pig oh, yet. I, please. I, 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 I keep meaning to. I, I keep so meaning good. to. I need to watch it. Yeah, I, lo- I loved it. And uh, uh, Nick Cage is just his like classic stoic Nick Cage. Where, which i love and it's just it is a really beautiful film and alex wolf is in it and i love alex wolf and there's just some really cool dynamics with all the different characters in the film and the story and i cried my eyes out at the end and that's all you need to know see yeah i love me some serious stoic nick cage as well i am yeah. I, I, he was in a movie it came out a couple years ago called kill chain that like is like very action based and stuff but like he's like the like you know the calm one for like a majority of the movie and it like takes you off guard for a sec but i'm like and but then you also remember like and you see it in the first half of mandy as well like you know like he can when he's in this like stoicness like he's you know got this certain charm to him um it's you know a very different side that like yeah we don't get to see as much but like i love that like i feel like mandy is just like the this is like how you utilize nick cage like you know using him to like you know because we get stoic you know emotional charming nick cage but then we get you know angry crazy nick cage (laughs) we get him full on like beyond you know level 10 insanity like we we get literally all the things that nick cage does like well you know in this movie and i i think i really love that they did utilize his range in this film and it's like it's just so crazy to see all these different things that he is so amazing at be put into this one and a half hour film and it's like bam everything you love about nick cage in this film off you go yeah i was i was reading an interview like panos obviously is a big nick cage fan and like he the way that he like talked about you know saying like yeah i want to use his entire range but then like he was literally saying it like referring to him as an action figure he goes like he goes he goes when you he's like when you have a nick cage action figure like you're gonna play with it like the best you can like he's like so like he's like how can you not be excited to play with a nick cage action figure and i'm like that's like a really interesting way of looking at it but like um but yeah like he he, and it's funny because um um panos wanted nick cage to play jeremiah sands initially when he uh when he was trying to get him on board for the film um, which, you know, I could obviously, I, you could definitely see that, you know, like let him go big with it and go crazy and like, uh, would have been interesting. Um, I would have easily watched that movie too, but then it was cool. Cause then Nick was the one that wanted to play red and then, you know, to like kind of give himself a little more of a challenge. 
um because he was like you know i played characters similar to jeremiah sand so he's like he wanted to kind of do something that was going to challenge him a little more so like then uh panos was like okay so he kind of rewrote like the character of red to tailor him a little bit more and then they like kind of fleshed out the character like more together after that yeah, I love that they did, um, you know, change him over to Red because I, I as I, like, as you said, like, I'd also watch him as Jeremiah, but I really like him as Red. Yeah, I mean, it, it totally would have been cool to see him as Jeremiah because, like, I mean, Nick has played villains, but, like, not too many as vile as Jeremiah Sands, you know? Yeah. So it's like, I think that would have been interesting, but at the same time... Um, uh, the guy that they got to play him, um, I think it was named Linus Roach or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, is, you know, fantastic. So, I mean, they found a really great counterpart uh, to play him still. And I think that's the case here, too, is like, I think there's a lot of actors that could have played that Jeremiah Sands role, but maybe not as many that could play Red. Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, so a little bit about the film before we dive right in. So Mandy is a 2018 psychedelic horror film directed by Panos uh, Cosmatos, produced by Elijah Wood and co-written by Cosmatos and Aaron Stewart uh, Arn. It's based on a story that Cosmatos conceived himself, a co-production of the United States and Belgium. The film stars Nicolas Cage, Andrea Riseborough. Linus Roach, Ned Dennehy, Olwen Ferrari, uh, Richard Brake, and Bill Duke. So a pretty yeah. good lineup there. Oh yeah, really. I mean, really great cast. And then, um, and then, yeah, being produced by Spectre Vision was like pretty yeah. big. <laughs> Hell um, yeah. Because I mean, they've they've produced you know some really great genre films. Um, love everything that like Elijah Wood has like done in that aspect and. Uh, in an interview as well like panos was kind of saying like you know because he he made his first film and then he didn't make this one until i think it was like like six or seven years in between the films uh or i think beyond the black rainbow came out in 2011 or 2012 and so he like had all this space between it but it was because he like he had had the idea for his movie like for a long time but he's he was you know stuck to his guns of being like i don't want to you know uh get mixed in with a studio and then have to make all these compromises to get this movie made. Um, he was like, I want to, you know, I'm going to take my time. I'm going to wait for the right producers to come. They're going to let me execute my vision the way I want to. And he is like, and he said like working with Spectre Vision was like a dream. Yeah. I can imagine that Spectre Vision wouldn't intervene too far into a director's like writing and, and work. Cause um, Elijah Wood as a filmmaker, I I'm obsessed with Elijah Wood. Like, yeah, just, and you know, it's like he obviously knows he the system, and like you know, like so it's like I feel like he understands, you know, as far yeah. as like letting a, a, a director like kind of do a thing, especially someone like Panos, who's very artistic and very distinct. And um, apparently, like a lot of other production companies were saying, the film was too violent. Which, when you really think about it, there's not as much violence as you think there is in this movie. Yeah, absolutely. There's there are some quite like bru- like moments of brutality but i wouldn't oh, say yes. it's like it, you know gratuitous violence to the point where it would be too violent no not at all like i feel like they use the action like pretty sparingly the violence and then but like when they do you know they make it effective and yeah. then you know and then like you said there's some other like depictions of brutality 
that aren't exactly like you know just like violence as you know as far as like fighting or something but like you know still brutal violence in other ways as well but like when you really yeah. think about it like out of this you know it's hour 50 minutes and like you know maybe 15 20 minutes and like you know that middle section are like actual like you know stuff like that yeah i think uh the great thing about panox uh and his work is that he's kind of kept that violence impactful to support the the uh like the the arc and the story rather than be like hey let's just have this violent scene for funsies yeah and then like and and also still surrounding the movie with like plenty of other stuff too like yeah. it's a it's a, not until an hour and like 10 minutes into the movie before like red actually goes on his like path of revenge you know yeah. it's like the the movie you know at you know the short way to describe it people would you know call it like a revenge film but like it's so much more than that because it's like you know at the core of it is like you know the this love story between them and like you know how it like changes them because we take so much time in the first half of the movie you know getting to know them um you know red and mandy their relationship how happy they are like you know really just taking the time to like show that and then also show just like the twisted minds of the children of the red dawn as well so it's like they really just take their time developing that stuff before the like violence and actual like revenge aspect like comes into play. Yeah. Agreed. And I think that that's a lot more impactful than being, you know, throwing us in the deep end for that story, because I don't think you'd feel the connection with Mandy and red if we didn't have that, like you'd be like, red, why are you doing this? Yeah. Like in a, in a typical revenge movie, like what happens to, to Mandy would literally happen like the first 10 to 15 minutes. And then yeah. the whole rest of the movie would be dedicated to Red, you know, exacting yeah. out his revenge when they like, you know, kind of do it the opposite. Like we, we talk spoilers on this, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I assume <laughs> everybody so. knows that. But like, I mean, it's like they, they do the opposite, you know, they build it out so much. And then like once Red goes on the revenge path, like it's very easy for him. Like, I mean, he fucking kills through everybody ridiculously fast. So it's not like there is this drawn out revenge aspect. Like, He's yeah. like, nope, you guys are all going to die. I'm killing everybody. And that's exactly what he does. And you're going like, to be gone in about three hours flat. Let's go. Like, literally. So it's like, <laughs> you know, they didn't, you know, draw it, draw out the revenge aspect. Yeah. And I think I really enjoyed that that aspect of it rather than um, sitting through, like, a scene of violence with a little bit of a buffer, then another scene of violence and a little bit of a buffer. And I think that that's just um, what's made this film so much more um like a much deeper story of grief and loss and love and how we process these feelings and yeah it's red just his character does a fantastic job of um depicting those feelings oh yeah like the 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 grief that he like shows through and then like again it's like you know think about you know how this movie is even marketed like it's you know titled mandy because in this movie you know they actually take the time to make mandy a person they give we yeah. get to know mandy for a little bit before um she is eventually killed you know and like before we see what the the cult subjects her to you know we care because we actually do get to know her and even like in the you know once she's kidnapped by the cult and they have her drugged up and stuff she still has enough agency to like you know like laugh in his face and like not be taken advantage of so it's like Mandy is not treated just like the the catalyst for the revenge like a lot of other movies like 
you know, other movies, like I said, would have had the acts happen super early. This movie would have been titled like the hunter or something like that. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be revenge. Yeah, exactly. It wouldn't be centered around Mandy, but this movie makes it very clear that like, Hey, Mandy matters in this movie. And that's how, I mean, that sounds redundant because it all revenge movies should be that way. But like, I like that they go out of their way to make that a point. Yeah, absolutely. Let's uh, dive into the film because there's like some really cool things about um, like Mandy's story being set up that I absolutely love. Um, so at the start of the film, the song that he's playing is Sunday Afternoon in the Park by Van Halen. And I just want to talk about how cool the soundtrack is through this whole thing. Like they play some really cool like 80s, like uh, what's this? hair metal songs that you're just like, what? I love that yeah. you're here. <laughs> yeah, and the, and it's like, you know, but like the deep cuts though, like not even yeah. just as much of just like the like typical and then like, yeah, like between the music that they chose, but then also this was one of the last uh, scores done by Johan Johansson before he passed away. Oh, no way. Um, yeah, I think this was the like actual like last one that he like worked on wow. that he like completed before passing um which like you know just like those like you know and most of it is just like you know guitar riffs in between you know just these like moody guitar riffs like i remember the the first like the opening of the movie where we just get guitar riffs and then we get that quote you know at the beginning like within that moment even before seeing anything of the film i go i'm gonna i think i'm gonna love this (laughs) yeah That's exactly how I felt. So the words that appear on the screen say, when I die, bury uh, bury me deep, lay two speakers at my feet, wrap some headphones around my head and rock and roll me when I'm dead. And I'm just like, I want that on my fucking tombstone. (laughs) Like I might get that tattooed on me at some point. Like it's such a great little poem. I love it. It's so cool. I love it so much. Um, So... Uh, Starless by King Crimson starts to play and the camera is zooming across the, uh, these beautiful treetops. I'm not too sure where they're located, but it, I want to live there wherever it is. It's uh, they, they, Because they say it in one of the title cards, it's like something valley, like Magic Valley or something like that. So it's like, oh, Shadow Mountains is Shadow Mountain. uh, apparently where they live. So um, again, like yeah, is this in our world? Is it not? Yeah, it's a little bit um fantastical. We we're not too sure. Uh, Apparently, they're actual mountains in the Mojave Desert out here oh, in wow. California. Apparently, I've been in the Mojave Desert in the middle of July. It is hot. <laughs> it was hot. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's a version of of uh of the Shadow Mountains. Yeah. So we meet Red, who is played by Nick Cage, and he is a a tree lopper who works with like heavy machinery and him and his like crew are leaving. So they get in this helicopter and there's these gorgeous uh, like views of the forest below them. And um, I just, you don't get that here. Like you really don't. Mm-hmm. Like so gorgeous. Like yeah. I, the I mean, and shout out to you know, obviously the cinematography in this movie is just like so so good. Oh yeah. Um Red and his crew are talking about how what they're gonna do when they get home. Um they're passing around like a little flask of booze and, and Red refuses and lights up a cigarette and stares out. Obviously he's very disconnected from the rest of his crew. 
um, not that interested in hanging out, which is fine. Mm -hmm. I like the little nugget too of him denying the drink, like, you know, setting him up. They like obviously doesn't drink anymore until, you know, when it is time to drink later. (laughs) The scene of the helicopter dissolves into a really detailed painting of a woman smoking this really cool vintage pipe and there's like all these tendrils of smoke and it turns out that it's actually um a painting that mandy is doing and she's she's sitting at home which i love the the use of like the mixed media in this like how we get like you know we get the the paintings and then oh we kind of get some more like animated stuff a little bit later as well um i like that how they like kind of mix that in. i kind of wish those a little more honestly yeah, it's really cool. It's like a nice because um, they use it as like transition pieces for mm-hmm. the story, and I think that that's really cool having that in there. And um, Mandy looks like this seventies babe with her glasses and her like um, she's got like a ringer t shirt on, and she's just stunning. the uh, The actress that plays her is stunning. Yeah, Andrea Riseborough is. Uh, yeah, she has like you know like. She just has that one of those very unique, distinct looks, hmm. you know. Um, I remember seeing her first in um, in Birdman uh, was like the first thing that I remember seeing her in. But then, like, um, you know, this kind of blew her up, and then Possessor on top of that, like, yeah, very, oh, very great Possessor. actress. <laughs> oh, Possessor is probably one of yeah my favorite films of last year. So, yeah, yeah, she she likes her her weird genre films definitely. Yeah. <laughs> uh so she's just been sitting at home smoking weed painting and she just they both have this really cool dynamic between them and it's just nice and relaxed and you can Mm -hmm. see how happy they are together and it's like they fit into one another in a way like uh oh yeah like there's so many like little things that they do that i just love that like just show their like their their happiness with each other how they like kind of just get each other you know there's like there's like the simple moment where he's looking at what she's been painting and she's describing it and like while she's describing the painting like he like has this look of just like he's so proud and she's like stroking his beard I'm like this is goals like that's yeah. that's goals right there and like just in like that one little interaction like you like yeah. buy into their relationship yeah they're very magnetic and I yeah I really love that about the two of them um later that night they lay in bed and they're talking about their favorite planets and stars and i love this because red says galactus and she's like that's he's not that's not a planet yeah she she goes she goes well because she goes no he eats planets yeah um, red says he eats planets and she was yeah and that's and that's nick cage being a big comic book nerd uh yeah for (laughs) anybody that doesn't know who galactus is like nick cage is a notorious comic book nerd Oh, that's awesome! I I knew who Galactus was, but I didn't realize that Nick Cage was a was a comic fan. That's cool. He was almost Superman. We we were we oh, were yeah? we were this close to a Nick Cage Superman movie. I mean, we did get to hear him voice Superman in Teen Titans Go. So I mean, he's gotten close. <laughs> almost. <laughs> um, and Mandy says that uh, her favorite planet is Jupiter. I, I I like that. I like Jupiter. Jupiter's pretty. Yeah, and her, like, reasoning is because, like, it's a a constant storm that's been going on for, like, a thousand years, like, on the surface. I'm like, that is pretty rad. That's pretty cool. But just um, on this scene, that 
um, like the colors that they're using and how they're using like these pinks and orange and red and they just seem to like melt together so beautifully mm-hmm. even though like red is such a harsh color yeah the col- like the palette they use for this film is just mesmerizing yeah like uh, a lot of the times like in in like composition when it comes to like photography and like video and stuff like you want to go for like you know like opposites and stuff like so usually if you have reds you like pair it with greens you know so that way they both stick out from each other but like you know it's so purposeful that you know they chose you know reds orange and pinks like you said like and they just like kind of become analogous and like you know like and melt together like how you said and like very very like purposeful because like yeah this the movie like like whenever you talk about movies that like wash over you but like this feels like that like in a literal sense though too like (laughs) that's like how it like feels like 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 painting yeah and it's just and they just have like the shots they have of the stars in this scene and that washing over of you know this uh this pink and orange and red before it goes into like this montage of what they do during the day together. Yeah, and their and their cabin too. That this yeah. isn't talked about enough. This cabin uh, is just amazing. amazing. <laughs> it has like all these different levels to it, but it's also like a very like wide open like plan and like the windows and like the the they get to look at the stars while they go to sleep. Like, oh man, this thing is immaculate. It looks like a very um place like heaven to be home in it'd be it'd mm-hmm. be awesome I'd, oh, it's just stunning like when i saw in the in the scene where the the cult members are coming to their house and you just see that big open shot of how big this house is and you're just like that house is gorgeous what the hell is like they like live in like a like little like woodland tree house but it's like like gigantic like i, I love me some good house porn in movies and like this is like this is it's really good yeah uh so in this montage uh we see mandy and red they're um on this stunning lake in a boat and um later on we see them sitting by a fire uh by the lake and they actually i read somewhere that it's actually like they have a campsite that is further away from their home that they go to i actually read the script for this film so i was like yeah i was just like i need to know everything that people are saying because um uh on shutter i don't think they had um like closed caption at the time and I can't watch a film mm. without subtitles, so I was like sitting reading the script as I'm watching the movie. And oh, you'll have to send that to me because yeah, I'll see if I can find it. Um, and it's just a really beautiful scene where we see Red um looking at Mandy through this like through the fire and the smoke, and she's actually sitting in the water still because it's obviously summer, I'm assuming. And yeah, they she just looks um, what's the word like? not like ethereal like not real Mm -hmm. yeah like like i feel like they even like because like i think she has like that like um she might have like a that scar in real life a little bit but like or they just like made it even more pronounced that like you know like she has this like they like highlight this like you know quote unquote flaw but at the same time like she just still looks just like perfect like yeah in her like ness like i don't know how to describe it yeah it's just a really stunning scene and they just give you so many of these throughout the whole film and you're just like stop it i was i was on a lot of edibles the first time i saw this (laughs) 
So, like, literally, the first time I saw this, I mean, I was just slouched and was just, like, stuck, like, just, like, mouth open. I was just, like, the sights, so gorgeous. The, the, the music, so gorgeous. I'm, like, I can't handle this. Yeah. Can we stop? I'm gonna explode. Um, I love this next scene. So, uh, after they've fallen asleep at their campsite, the next morning Mandy wakes up and she's wandering through these wide open woods. And I, I, I think she's just going for a, a, a nature stroll. Mm-hmm. Just hanging out. Yeah. Um, and there's this pool of bright light that um, Mandy starts to walk towards. And I feel like it's like in a forest, you know, how the light will come through the trees and it like hits certain areas. And But the way that it's mm-hmm. captured is just, it's just beautiful. And, and this forest just looks like I want to be there. Yeah. And Lay on the, some like, moss or something. <laughs> yeah, like the, I mean, the colors are like so intense but like the like because the 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 movie like has a lot of what i call like spooky nonsense and like something like this is like one of those because then like you know as like you know the the van of the children red dawn when they like drive past her later like when we kind of have that similar shot like the red like intensifies like so much more and they'll do that in a lot of scenes they'll like make the color like get drastically like more intense to like emphasize like the emotion of that scene yeah and that does happen because as she is in the forest she comes across a um a dead lamb mm-hmm. yeah and it's like very foreboding and ominous and the the soundtrack is just like this like buzzing like oh mm-hmm. like a frequency where you're just like oh I don't like. Oh, I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> like, let's and yeah. and the beautiful thing they do with this is it'll just stop. It doesn't mm-hmm. fade out. It just it just cuts off, and you're just like, so is the bad stuff over now? Good. Yeah, <laughs> I can't remember what movie it was. I watched a movie like a few weeks ago that like kind of did that, and I was like, I was like, I like how it's doing this. Like it, like you know, there is like um. It, a, a difference like between when you like fade the tracks in and out versus like yeah like have those like abrupt like stops to it and mm. yeah like super effective in this yeah later that night when they're at home um mandy uh and red are talking about um how they should move away from this place and that they they don't like it and i mean obviously we don't live there and we're thrown into this like one aspect and period of time in their lives it's like but i wouldn't want to leave um <laughs> yeah it's like very interesting how like because like yeah like from what we've seen we're like what like this like seems perfect like and like you seem like you enjoy it but like at the same time they're like oh you know this uh, we don't like it yeah let's we're go like somewhere it. else or like maybe like or maybe that like tells you like as a couple maybe they move around a lot like you yeah. know maybe like they kind of you know like you know because red doesn't make friends with his co-workers and like you know, they keep to their solitudes, like, maybe that's, like, their thing, that they move around, like, quite a bit, you know, and, like, oh, they're already kind of getting tired of it, maybe being, they seem like the people that would be, like, ah, it's too perfect, we hate it, you know, (laughs) like. (laughs) Oh, when's the penny gonna drop? Um, uh, Mandy tells this really sad story about her sadistic father, and how he had bought a sack full of baby starlings home, and basically forced his children to kill them with a crowbar. 
Yeah. <gasps> the, the story, I, yeah, I always, like, I, I somehow forget it until, like, every time I rewatch it. And then I'm like, oh, because, like, this is, like, the, like, really, like, first instance of, like, morbidness of this movie. And it's just her telling a story, you know, which is very yeah. interesting. Um, I mean, I guess, like, the second instance, because we did see the the dead lamb. But, um, but yeah, like, I, I always, for some reason, forget about this. And then, like, because it, like, comes out of, like, like you know, it seems like they're having a peaceful night. And they're, you know, oh, by the way. Each other. <laughs> yeah, and then, uh, yeah, by the way, did I ever tell you about that time my dad made us kill a bunch of starlings? Like, what? Oh, I'm sorry, who are you? But I think it kind of um, reinforces this whole concept of Mary, uh, Mary, Mandy being very, um, re- not necessarily resilient, but won't let anyone take her power away from her. Mm-hmm. Because we do see that, you know, um, from when the cult comes that she, yeah, she doesn't let them take her, like you said, her agency away. And I think that maybe this incident with her father is what spurred her into that kind of, I won't let people walk all over me. I won't let people make me feel powerless like my dad did. Yeah, I could, I could totally uh, see that. Like that would make sense. And then like also just for the sense of like, you know, how this scene just like kind of comes out of nowhere and like ruins like this, like really nice moment is like kind of like, you know, foreshadowing on how like, this is going to happen when Mandy gets kidnapped as well. Just like something Ooh, just yeah. like kind of cutting out of nowhere. And then it's just like, bam, you know? Yeah. And like you going back to what you were saying about how they move around a lot. The fact that red refers their, to their home as this place tells me that they don't really have a sense of permanency with where they are. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, Oh, we can just move on. Cause it's just this yeah. place. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is very true. Like the, the very specific wording of that. Yeah, like, do they just put their uh, house on, like, a back of a truck and they're just like, come on, let's go. We'll go in the next place. That'd be cool. Probably. They probably, like, take, like, half the stuff that's there and then they just, like, leave the other stuff. They're like, ah, you know, this will be for whoever comes next. Oh, you know, like, cool. r- probably don't even care about stuff. They, they don't like, seem like they care about stuff. Yeah, pay it forward. They can, they can, have, they can have this beautiful glass windowed house. Uh, lady, the next afternoon, Mandy is reading a paperback novel by uh, named Seeker of the Serpent's Eye by Lenora Tor, and we hear a voiceover of Mandy reading the pages of her book, and it's quite foreboding because I think they're talking about like people going to hell and all this kind of like really, mm-hmm. um, yeah, foreshadowing kind of stuff where you're like, whoa, what's happening? Yeah, and then, like, and just, like, also the way that she, like, uh, like, the way she, like, interacts with people, like, you can tell, like, she, she doesn't really care about this job, like, she's, yeah. she, she's, just, she's more into the book anyways, she's just like, oh, yeah, I'm, I guess I'm working, like, here, oh. and then, like, yeah, Fuck, like, sorry, like, forgot I was here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> uh, I think, so she walks between her job at the local convenience store and their home. And mm-hmm. on her walk home, I really love this because the road is just full of like a summer fog. Like, I don't yeah. know. It's a hot, if, if you don't live in a place where it gets really hot, you won't know what we're talking about. Yeah. Like it, the, it, and like, just because of like the, you know, like this was shot on film and stuff. Like, so it's like, you like feel like the texture from that too. Yeah. Like, like the scene just like looks muggy because it's also like 
again like it like starts off like it's already red and then it's just like intensifying as like the scene progresses as well and just like yeah. oh man like I, I like why am i getting hot like i'm just it's palpable <laughs> you're just like i'm sweating from this <laughs> yeah big time <laughs> so whilst she's walking a a long cab camping van full of uh adults uh i will just add that that's just really creepy adults and <laughs> um they are members of the children of the new dawn which we don't find much out of, about really because it's not like people are like oh stay away from them <laughs> those are those crazy cult people yeah no they're their own thing we'll say that's a great metal band name yeah. uh children of the new dawn like really do love the name even though they are disgusting humans yeah. uh but yeah like uh they are just um yeah they, we don't really hear anything about them and it's like and it's just like and it's very small so it's like you know it, it's like it's barely a cult. Like, I mean, there's yeah. like five or six of them. So it's like, I don't even know if they, you can call them a cult, but I don't know what the term underneath that would be. Uh, a mini cult. <laughs> a, a mini cult. <laughs> a, 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 a toxic collective, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I love this because oh, as the van, because I love that they slow this down. Like the, um, the, the, the paths crossing of, of Mandy and this van and Jeremiah watching her. And, you know, it's like, it feels so like, like not lazy, but just really um, like a daydream almost where the, you know, he's having a moment yeah. and she's just off on her own world. <laughs> like I'm just going yeah. home. <laughs> I mean, and like, again, because it's like, you know, the scene is like depicted like red. So it's like for him, like you said, like, yeah, he's like having this moment like, whoa he's an awestruck but like we are watching it like this is very creepy because like you look disgusting it's slow it's red it's foggy and like it's not like she even like she doesn't even smile at them so it's not like he could be like oh like you know like oh my god love it first like she just kind of she just looks she's just like uh okay you know and it's like yeah it's two very different things happening yeah because she's just who the fuck are all these people in this old school van and why hasn't that man washed his hair in six years like they're all so (laughs) odd looking (laughs) they're so oily looking the the like the like young one with the mullet whose like (laughs) mouth is always open (laughs) like they're all just such weird odd people i'm like ugh, like so creepy but they're the kind of people you'd expect would be easily manipulated into being in a cult oh yeah like 100 percent. yeah they they're probably also republicans so you know <laughs> yeah and i do like how like after this scene too we like do shift to like their perspective like point of view for yeah. like uh, and for like a good minute too it's not like you know they just like kind of we pop over with them for like a scene or two like we could go and spend uh 20 separate minutes just with them you know and then we kind of like really see what they're about and it's like by like yeah. again like taking the time to like just like explore this fucking weird collective of weirdos <laughs> yeah and they are really weird um so we have a black screen and we have a new title screen which just says uh title children of the new dawn so this is where we're meeting this collective group of people that are very interesting and also note second title card that's not mandy still (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so uh, the next day, Mandy's back at work when one of the members from the cult comes in. And this is actually Mother Marlene. And she's acting quite, like, suspicious. <laughs> But not to Mandy. Mandy's kind of like, oh, you're just a little bit odd. That's fine. Whatever. Mm-hmm. This is and my I, job, I guess. Like, trying to make, like, like, Mandy's, like, passing it off as, like, small talk, but. Yeah. She shrugs off Mother Marlene as, like, just a chit chat, but she's just being super creepy. Yeah. Like, she's just like, oh, like, this is some weird small talk, but, like, whatever. Like, again, like, because, like, Mandy's absorbed into a book, not really caring about like anything, so like doesn't really pick up on the 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 weird vibes, the the, the very sketchy vibes of Mother Marlene. Yeah. <laughs> uh, afterwards, it cuts over to Jeremiah laying in bed, and um, he is like lamenting over and brooding over Mandy. <laughs> it's just because they live in like um, a dingy motel like, on the outskirts yeah. of town by the looks of it. He, he looks like a sulking, tantrum-throwing man. Oh, I like, that's what I put in my notes. I was like, <laughs> I love how our introduction is him just being a, like, he's, like, belittling all of his people. One, like, we see them come in the room one by one, and he, like, you know, like, you know, we see his relationship with each one, but he is literally just, uh <laughs> I saw her and she she looked at me and it was ah uh, and he's like <laughs> so sad boy. <laughs> oh yeah, and he says some really horrible things to Mother Marlene because she's like, oh, uh, you know, did I do something wrong? And he's like, wrong. Everything you do is wrong. It's <laughs> like, he, like he's jerk. he's so like this is. I mean, it, it, he's a despicable person. But man, he has some great lines. This is such a great introduction to this just yeah. very off-the-wall character. Like, at one point, the way he delivers a line, he's like, he's like, sometimes I don't think you hear anything at all. And that yeah. concerns me. And the way he yeah. says it, just like, oh, it's so good. Chef's kiss. <laughs> I've written here in my notes that Jeremiah, like, sounds like a CEO type of person where he just speaks down to everybody and they just accept it as, like, his little minions. Like, oh, that's cool. That's fine. And no like, problem. And, and he's, like, a person, like, I describe it as he talks in riddles. Like, you know, oh, people yeah. that just, like, they don't talk in just, like, regular sentences. Everything has to be, like, a soliloquy and poetic and, like, like and it's just, like, ah, oh, it's too much. Like, stop it. Like, I, so, like, that's the way he talks. Like, he doesn't just, like, say things. It's just, like, everything is this. He says it, everything as if it's the most important thing ever. Yeah. It's so weird. Um, so... Uh, Mother Marlene says, you know, is there anything I can do to make you feel better? And he says, there is nothing that you can do. It's her. I feel naked without her. Naked. Do you hear me? And then there's like... You saw her for 30 seconds. Oh, he has got it bad. And then when he like makes that like long noise for a minute... (laughs) (laughs) The sigh? (laughs) Yeah, it's like... for like 30 seconds (laughs) like he is so committed to the bit i love it (laughs) so he tells mother marlene to bring in brother swan and obviously his uh i don't like cult followers his followers are 
like they adore him for reasons unknown because uh, he's a despicable human being and he tells Swan that he needs to get the girl like you have to get the girl you have to find her and Sam tells him to bring in the Horn of Abraxas so I tried to find out what the Horn of Abraxas is apparently it's not a real thing and I was like damn it I would have really loved to have read some lore and like mythos about it yeah it's like he he brings in brother swan and like brother swan is just like oh like what do you need i i got you like anything you need a glass of water (laughs) and then like basically like zan like they're like come like they're they're still very vague in what they're talking about but you hear sacrifice you hear horn of abraxas you hear them talking about this the the crazy uh, biker people and we're just like wait what 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 are you guys I'm sorry about to do? what <laughs> you're bringing what in um so he I love the reveal of the horn of Abraxas because he like grabs this like wooden box and it's like this <laughs> soft leather and he's like unpeeling it and this ebony horn is there and Swan is like so uh, ambiguous and he's like you know what to do and it's like what is it what are, what do you mean what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> right like like, and, like yeah and, and you know and just like i love how it's just like so accepted like brother swan's just like yep no questions i got you like whatever you want like we're out it, yes i i do know what to do and it's like what i i don't know what you're about to do but all right um this by the way brother swan looks like he has uh two brain cells left and they're fighting for third place that's how <laughs> dumb he looks like so stupid so i was like i would not trust him with the horn of abraxas He's like all like perpetually sweaty too, and like... oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and his hair is like always stuck to his sweaty forehead. Right. <laughs> These people are just really sweaty people, by the way. Yeah, it must be. I mean, he, yeah, I mean, probably really hot. I don't know about how humid it is up there, but I mean, definitely hot. Yeah. So, brother Swan and. I think it's Lucy or I'm not too sure. There's like a group of them that go out into uh, the woods and um, use the horn of Abraxas to summon the black skulls, which are satanic deformed bikers. Yeah. And this is where I was like, we are not on earth. (laughs) yeah exactly and it's like you know and they're they're fairly ambiguous like you know they're like you know they apparently were human but then did too much acid and then it like turned them into these monsters but then it's like are they also demonic in a way as well Mm. it's like what what we and they just really don't explain it there's like and you know they look like you know cenobites covered in tar uh riding four-wheelers it's a it's a whole vibe. They're riding full. Ew! They're not even like riding bikes. Well, I, I think like even... I, there was like I think like one or two of them were on like four wheelers, and like, like a... two of them were on motorcycles. Like... Okay, that's under- yeah. okay. If they were like a quad bike gang, I'd be like, what? At, at least one or two of them were on quads. <laughs> yeah, I have to ride a quad because I'm really clumsy. But um. <laughs> So one of the leaders, his name is Scratch, and he approaches the children. And as he's talking, he reveals these like pointy, rotting, black tarred teeth. 
and he grabs Swan around the back of the head and he says blood for blood. So I think mm-hmm. this is where that whole sacrifice comes in. Yeah, and they, they brought a they brought on. like a team kid. They brought like a <laughs> yeah. little team kid, that that poor curly headed boy. Oh, uh, yeah. to, oh. to give to them. <laughs> Here you go. Here's this little teenager. That's so sad. Uh so he <laughs> one of uh one of the, the children of the new dawn go and grab this mason jar full of this grey gooey liquid, which we do find out later what it is. Yeah. Um <laughs> and he drinks like the entire thing oh, before okay. demanding more. And and think about this because like later we see what one drop of Nick like Nick Cage just does a finger drip and it like blows his like brain. Imagine what it's doing to this thing that just chugged that jar. Yeah. So um, Scratch is about to basically kill them before Swan gets out the horn of Abraskus, which stops them. And Swan says, uh, first things first. And then we cut back over to Red and Mandy um, who are watching reruns of Three's Company. I was like, that's cute. Yeah, having a chillin'. bangers and mash dinner, which is one of my favorite meals. Not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, just you know, living their living their cozy little life in their beautiful cabin in the woods. Um, the later on that night when they're sleeping, the house is settling in quietly amongst um, the trees. Like we get this beautiful shot of um, of the house as. Uh, figures start to emerge from the tree line. So it's actually members of the Black Skulls. We have Scratch, Scabs, and Spider, which I thought was like kind of cool and cute. But <laughs> it's like, yeah, oh, that cute. they all have actual names. Yeah, <laughs> that they're just not names. like these demons. They have they have autonomy. They've given them autonomy. Yeah, um, and we can't for uh, not not in this scene, but the other one is um, a fuck pig. Fuck a, pig. A, that's right. <laughs> So uh, can't forget, can't forget him. <laughs> I forgot that that's his name. What a horror! Everyone else got cute names, and he gets fuck pig. <laughs> that's some shit I'd do naming demons. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Someone gets like a really weird, like off field name where it's like what? Because they're all well, alliteration one- as well. Well, he is the one with like the razor dildo. I don't know why Pig yeah. comes in into that, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they creep into the home and they basically grab uh, Red and Mandy from their beds and drag them out into the living room. So uh, they force them to lay on their stomachs facing one another, and Mandy's obviously terrified, and Red is watching on as they gag and tie his wife. Um, red eyes off a gun that is mounted on the wall. One of the skulls notices the gun and removes it before slamming the butt of the gun into Red's head, knocking him out. Which I was like, ooh, that's brutal. Home invasions always get me in the, like, pit of my stomach. Like, ooh, I don't like, I don't like that. I mean, but also, isn't it a little bit overkill to send the acid crazy <laughs> demonic bikers just to go kidnap one young woman. 
Yeah, well, maybe they were like, Red will definitely kill all of us, so <laughs> we're all cult weaklings. We cannot do this alone. I guess so. Yeah. Um. So Mandy uh, wakes up bound and gagged at the table of her own kitchen. Marlene and Lucy are, you know, basically waiting for her to wake up and um, uh, Mother Marlene tells her that you have to do exactly what I tell you to do. Like, no screaming, don't try to run away. And uh, <laughs> then Mandy doesn't respond, so Marlene goes over and slaps her across the face, like, incredibly hard. And I was like, whoa. Uh, and, like, and this scene is wild because, like, how you see Mother Marlene, like, you know, behave towards Mandy, you know, after, you know, just, like, taking all the shit from Jeremiah, but then you see, like, when she's, like, doing her thing, like, obviously this is why she's, like, a mother and not, like, a sister in, like, the whole thing, because, like, yeah, you know, she, she's, you know, uh, ahead of the, the other cronies, but, like, at the same time, like, when she's with Jeremiah, she's just, like, crumbles, but, like, with this scene, she's, like, fucking crazy and, like, scared. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they subdue Mandy using LSD and then sting her with the tail of a black wasp. Ugh. That thing is huge and is yeah. the scariest thing of this entire movie. It is so nasty. Yeah. That thing is like the size of a like coffee thermos. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize that wasps could get that big. I don't know. Can they? I mean, I, I hope not. I'm gonna have to Google it later, so I can be I like. Thought, yes. I thought I thought it was like comically big, like on purpose to just be yeah. like, oh, look at this crazy thing. Like, look at this thing ugh. I found out in the forest. Yuck. <laughs> um. So they take Mandy to sand, and <laughs> I love this scene. <laughs> it because like Mandy has been given LSD at this point, and so like a lot of the um the oh, like the techniques used are very like hallucinogenic colors and and we see like blurring and double vision and you yeah. know things like, like little look. light trails from her yeah and, like, all that i stuff. don't remember yeah. that when i was on acid not the first time the second time yes the second time i've I... definitely i've definitely have had that effect like uh they, yeah. they capture it really well in a uh, midsummer too yeah like, they really capture like good like acid trip effects um but like in this one yeah like just because of like the colors and how intense it is you know and like and i love how they're uh just you know chilling in the cult room all tripping lsd together like because they're yeah. all like a little fucked up but I'm just like, that's why I put in oh, my notes. Cool. I'm like, oh, you know, cult room hangouts. You know, we're just yeah, chilling. Yeah, just chilling out. The um, the second time I did acid uh, was the last time because of how it, like, made me feel. Um, I, I, wish it, I wish it wasn't that way. But I went to a friend's house who wasn't on acid, and I sat at the end of his bed curled in a ball, and he was like, fuck, I wish I was as fucked up as you are right now. And I was like, do you know what we should do? We should we should, you know, like, take the blood out of my body and put it in your body and then you'd feel like <laughs> me. And he was like, "Get, go to sleep. Go to fucking sleep. That's your, that's your solution. <laughs> Instead of just like, hey, you do acid too. You're like, no, I'm going to give you a blood transfusion. <laughs> yeah, that's I was the like, most, we'll, yeah. we'll take out all my blood and then we'll take out all your blood and we'll just swap it over. And he was like, no. 
<laughs> no, yeah, we're that's not. Some, that's some trip brain right there, like, <laughs> for sure. If I thought it was a great idea that. at the time. <laughs> oh, that's great. And that's why I was like, ah, uh, that should probably be the last time I do acid. Like, yeah, next time you might actually perform a blood change. Right? I'll probably think it's a good idea, like that, and that I know how to do it. I'm I'll be like, oh, d- <laughs> what do you mean? I've got a PhD of tripping balls. Let's go. Trust me. Trust me. <laughs> if I ever say trust me on something, don't. Don't do it. <laughs> Oh, sorry, I was packing a bowl. <laughs> You're all right. Do you, do you need some time? <laughs> oh no, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> um, but I really love this scene because he is um performing a song about Mandy, and he's like, "I wrote it about you," and she just loses her shit. Oh yeah, she goes. <laughs> she's like, "Wait, this is you," and he says something about um. He says something about um, uh, someone said that he, he, he's better than the Carpenters, and I was like, <laughs> and like for me, I'm not really a fan. I was like, well, that's not really too high a bar to to clear. Yeah, but, I mean, um, but just the fact that he like said that about himself, like, yeah, oh yeah, this is me. We're better than the Carpenters, actually. <laughs> she just, oh, her rejecting him and his like reaction to it is just so typical of. Um, just really toxic people, and so I was like, oh, I'm kind of glad that that's like a, a a displayed reaction because like she is just losing her shit at how ridiculous he is. Oh, I mean, I love how this movie like he's, I mean, yeah, he's creepy and like the cult, they're creepy, but they're never really depicted as like they never depict Jeremiah as like being like you know someone to like legit fear. I don't yeah. think like they very like like because I mean our introduction is him having a sad boy fit and then like now he like literally <laughs> has this five minute monologue talking oh. about himself how he's been chosen touched by the light uh Jesus gave him permission to take anything he wants like goes on this whole spiel and then yeah for her to just laugh in his face and then it's just like and then he's like wait what what he also did take his pants off and she was like, no. <laughs> and then when she starts laughing, he starts angrily jacking off at her. Like, it, it, angrily. And but I'm she's just like, like scream laughing. It's so oh, yeah. good. She doesn't let it waver at all. She's like, no, I am going to continue to embarrass and humiliate you. I don't give a shit. Oh, yeah. Like, she literally goes like wild with it. I do want to uh, uh, backstep just a sec uh, because the the scene where he's uh, you know having his monologue and like their faces are changing back and forth between each other like it like shifts to Mandy's face and then like goes back to his face like the overlapping so cool I love that yeah. like effect it looks really cool because it's kind of like um oh they're like merging and then transforming in a way. I just felt really motion sick watching it. <laughs> it's like a double exposure photo or something. Mm, it's really cool. It was a little bit hard for me to watch, but um, I can understand that people would enjoy that technique for what it is. 
Oh yeah, it's like it's a little intense, and like I kind of compare, like the the like intensity of this, like you know, like as like you know what what it would be like if you are, you know, one you're tripping, but like tripping hard against your will as well. So you're like you're already in a bad headspace, and like mm. it kind of gave me feelings of um the dinner scene of Texas Chainsaw Massacre like how like disoriented it is and like but it's like here they kind of do it the other way around because in that one it's like the family's like all maniacally laughing and screaming and yelling at her and she and like sally like you're like so disoriented with her and it's like that this scene like very much feels like that scene except like then mandy does get to have the moment of just being like nope like this is still all ridiculous like (laughs) where the fuck am i (laughs) yeah Put your penis I, away. Put can you your, put, put some put pants on? Fucking hell. We're trying to enjoy ourselves here and you're out here with your dick out? Yuck. Um, <laughs> just Jeremiah really is just a cretin. Like, uh. Also, also shout out for Linus bearing it out there, though. Like, I'm all, yeah. I'm, I am here for more male nudity. I love that we get male nudity and not female nudity at all in this yeah. movie. And it is to also just to belittle Jeremiah. So, um, uh, shout out to Panos on that. I I do yeah. appreciate it. She uh she definitely emasculates him, and I think that that's what flies him into this really outrageous reaction to his rejection. Yeah. He's a yeah. He's a thing. Yuck. <laughs> it's gross. Uh. So. Uh, Jeremiah has given himself like a little bit of a pep talk in the mirror (laughs) and he's like tell me what to do tell me what you need to do and you can see that he's like beyond unhinged like there's stuff going on up there yeah because um he he did he like did this earlier too like when he was having a sad boy moment but he like changed voices when he did it as if like this like presence comes over him you know, so it's like I feel like that's what he was like trying to channel here. Like you said, he was like looking at himself in the mirror, like tell me what to do, and then he like all of a sudden changes and like says, I don't know, some some weird bullshit. <laughs> yeah, something about you know what to do, you know what you need to do, and um, he goes into a room where Red is being kept uh, tied up with ropes, and he's gagged as well. And he, uh, it's so fucking disgusting how Jeremiah is talking to Red because he's like, you know, you think you're in love. Like I'll teach you about love. I'll teach you, you something that, you know, um, I'll, I'll show you. And he's yeah, just so, and, and how he like quickly turns from, he was in love in 30 seconds, you know, like of seeing her and just walking down the road was in love. And then as soon as it's rejected, like he immediately just calls her a whore, like the rest of the time. Yeah. Like, like every time he refers to her, like, just, yeah. like, instantly making that switch because, like, oh, like, you're rejecting me, like, now you're a whore. And, like, and it's, like, so weird how he, like, makes it a point to, like, not even call her by her name the rest of yeah. the time. Uh, this seems quite shocking because Sand brings in Lucy, um, one of the sisters from the Children of the New Dawn, and asks her to show her love for him uh, and gives uh gives her a gun and um 
force. Yeah, sorry. I've written this around like a weird way. And I'm like, wait a second, what have I done? So he tells her to shoot herself in the head. And um, so Red is screaming like, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. Like, what the fuck are you, what the fuck? <laughs> and she pulls the trigger anyway, but we find out that the gun wasn't loaded. But she straight up does. Up. Like she, I mean, she like hesitated a smidge, but not really. Like she was like, "All right." I was like, "Oh, damn!" Like and like, yeah, yeah that's just like scary. The like hold that he has on them. Yeah, and I mean, like that's obviously a quite common thing in cults that these um these people who are you know the overlords of these little cults have so much power. It's so strange to me like how does that and i say that as an ex-mormon but <laughs> like how how it's yeah like just uh, like all I, I and like i love like you know like we don't like know like how they came together either like that it just like makes you think like yeah like what how did you find this guy and then you just decide like yeah i'm gonna go in this caravan and fucking just do a bunch of acid and take what and do weird shit and kidnap people. Like, what? But, I mean, like, Charles Manson did that and heaps of people were on board with it. Yeah, I'm just like, like how'd what you the end fuck? up here? How, <laughs> yeah. How'd you end up here? I'm one of those people that'd be like, they'd tell me, you get to do this and you get to do that. And I'd be like, hmm, alright, cool, let's go. I'll give it a go. They're like, wait, what? I don't have to work anymore? Okay. <laughs> oh, fuck, alright. <laughs> hell yes <laughs> what do you mean i can just sleep in i don't sleep in i'm a morning i'm a morning person <laughs> um <laughs> so swan comes in uh and gives like sand um this like it looks like a ceremonial kind of knife blade thing and um sand compares himself to jesus and tells Red yeah. that he is a soulless pig before stabbing him with this blade. And uh, mm -hmm. I was just like, what? You are not you've got long hair, and Jesus had long hair, but that's probably I mean, it. Very casually, like that's what I love is like how casually he just is like, <laughs> Yeah, I'm 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 pretty much like a Jesus, yeah. I'm, I'm Jesus. That's, me. that's cool. I just <laughs> hang out and that's what I do. Uh, so the children of the new dawn uh, drag Mandy out in a hessian sack hang her on a tree and then burn her to death while Red is forced to watch like so brutal like it's I remember so the first <laughs> like I remember the first time like whenever I went and saw it was like it was like first people like were like gasping like when they were like hanging her up but then like once they like actually did it like the theater like went quiet and it was just like uh and then like you know like and then like you like see like you know uh red screaming but like the scream is like silent though and um i mean and fucking nick cage again just like the like look and anguish he like sells in yeah. this scene it's just like i mean it is brutal yeah, and because in the scenes with um, Red and Mandy leading up to this, they don't give a lot to the cult or to Sand. They they don't want to give up parts of themselves. And, and you see that in those interactions that they have leading up to Mandy's murder. And I just find it really fascinating because it's like, obviously they're both incredibly uh, strong and um, like resilient and stoic people. And yeah, it's just 
like you said, also that, you know, the story of, of Mandy and, and the Starlings for her then to mm-hmm. be killed in a certain fashion is really, um, it's really quite shocking. Yeah, it's like every, like it gets me pretty much every time. Like, I mean, just like yeah. the whole, like, cause I mean, it's this very long drawn out scene as well. Like in like, you know, it, but again, it's like presented in a way that's still like, obviously like, it's you know like at least they put her in a sack and we didn't <laughs> have to like, physically see it like yeah like like yeah at least we didn't see him just like douse her like you know herself in gas and light her on fire but like still yeah, like oh here God. here's the courtesy that we'll give you you know like oh brutal and i i think i do enjoy that as a courtesy yeah as a courtesy like oh i would not have wanted to see that yeah, good. Good looking out, Panos. He goes here. I, 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 he goes. Hey, I, I put her in a sack. It's not that bad, okay. <laughs> uh, so Red, who at this stage is completely and utterly broken, goes home and he's watching um, a Cheddar Goblin trailer, just chilling at home. Yeah, I love how this was um, just like such like a popular thing, like that, like now we actually have like cheddar goblin like t-shirts and like and like dolls and like funko pops and stuff it's like super funny from this just like little random uh thing um i thought it uh really funny but like also just because like you know red is like just had this extremely traumatic event and then just like to like walk in and then just like that's on tv and it's just like like really watching cheddar goblin yeah uh this scene was really, really incredibly sad watching, um, you know, Red have this emotional breakdown before this, like, um, it's like a reawakening of who he was before meeting Mandy. Almost. Yeah. It's because really like, again, like, yeah. Cause like, again, like we saw like, okay, he rejected the drink at the beginning of the movie, but then he has booze stashed in the bathroom. So it's like, okay, he was a former alcoholic, obviously. And then just like, you know, like, like uh, apparently, I think they said they like only did the scene like twice, and like that's Nick Cage. I don't doubt that. <laughs> and like, I mean, they just like let him go, you know. And like, this wow. is you know, like this is why you get Nick Cage because like, it, it, it like you know, uh, I know certain people watch it and like you know think it might be like kind of silly, but like at the same time, like it feels like that is just like the most like raw like guttural reaction someone would have to like you know something you know witnessing something like that you know like how else would you react besides just this like you know tantrum that he's like going crazy and like yeah he's in his underwear and it's like kind of funny but it's not because it's like you know but like you said it is like you know like i mean he literally chugs this entire bottle of vodka <laughs> like he like pours it on his like wound too you know and like you know puts it on and it's like and this is like his like one moment to like he's you know lets it all out and then it's like after that he's like it's on and he's like i'm gonna get ready and <laughs> it's on but like yeah he just has this you know moment of vulnerability um there's like even a little part in there um where apparently like nick cage like kind of like nudged the camera guy or something a little bit or the camera itself and but it was like they only did the like scene like twice and it was like the best take so like they like, like had uh, to leave we'll it in. That. 
yeah apparently it's just like there's like a slight little like camera shift because like the cameraman like wasn't ready for like what nick was gonna do you know that, that, that's like, what right, happens letting, we get to let nick take over this scene uh if you are a casualty sorry like oh my god like do you think they prepare like the set for like when it's like guys it's going down today imagine being on set and you're like guys it's 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 time nick's gonna lose it like we get to witness greatness right now oh my god imagine working on one of those that like that day as like a showrunner or something and seeing that i think i just i'd quit my job i'd retire and be like i don't need to do anything else ever again I mean, if I could, if I could ever get Nick Cage in a movie and get to unleash him, like, oh man, that'd be the most satisfying thing in oh. the world. <laughs> I mean, it's satisfying just watching him do it in a film. Imagine being like physically, like being in that space and with that aura and that power that he has. Like, uh, just be, it'd be fantastic, right? Like, seeing oh. him get in the zone, you know, and you're just like, oh, shit. Like, ooh. Like, so cool. Like, Nick Cage yeah. is just, he's amazing. He really is. And it's so funny, because I went through this period where I was like, ooh, Nick Cage. And then as I got older, I was like, fuck yeah, Nick Cage. <laughs> like, once you, like, get in deep enough, and it's just like, and it, like, it, just once you get it, like, I, I see what he's doing now. And it's like, yeah, that's when, that's when it's, it's fun. Yeah. And I hope that everyone else, you know, wasn't a dickhead like I was and just was like, ooh, like, you know, shrug it off. Oh, Nick Cage is shit. Uh, now I'm like, uh, Nick Cage is probably one of my favorite actors. My my best friend's fiance, she hates him, apparently. But the <laughs> only movies, the only movies she has seen him in are the National Treasure movies. I go, what? What? I go, you can't hate him? I go, I was like, one, they're great. They're still great movies, but also two, like I was like, that's like you can't judge off of that. But then also, that's like funny. That's like those are the movies that turned her <laughs> off of Nick Cage. Like, I want to show her Vampire's Kiss. I don't think she could make it through it. Like, no, I don't think she would like, make it through the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, what he was doing? You think what he was doing in National Treasure was weird? What? <laughs> Like that's nothing. That's vanilla Nick Cage. Like that's vanilla. PG thirteen Nick Cage. That's Disney Nick Cage, actually. Yeah, like actually, (laughs) like literally. Uh, I had a Nick Cage reawakening probably in my early twenties, and I'm really grateful for it. Um. I think because I just watched Con Air when I was a kid, and I was like, "This movie's dumb." Yeah, I I, I had the reawakening after, after Face Off, which I mean, I feel like a lot of people do, but like, yeah. when I was like, when I was like, Nick Cage is playing John Travolta, how John Travolta's character would play Nick Cage's character. I'm like, what? what? <laughs> yeah, I rewatched uh, Face Off ages ago because my partner will have like renaissances of like old films that both of us haven't seen for ages and he like texted me one morning and he's like we're totally watching face off tonight and i was like fuck that is a movie i have not seen in forever let's do it uh uh uh, while we're last thing on the nick cage tangent but another reawakening was i watched drive angry um for the first time like a year ago 
that is a that that's some good Nick Cage shit right yeah. there. Like people uh, don't uh, don't talk about driving enough, and we see shades of that in this movie as oh, well. Yeah. It has some you know slight similarities in their characters. Yeah. Um, so after Red has had this, like, it's like almost a switch goes off and he's like, I know what I have to do. Like, I know, I know, I know what I've got to do. And immediately starts forging a crazy steel battle axe. Oh, yeah. Well, first he goes to Carruthers. Oh, who I'm assuming oh yeah, he has to get the... Like, because he goes to get a gun from him and some, like, ammunition and stuff. Yes, the, the Reaper. Yes. And so um, uh, Carruthers is explaining who the Black Skulls are because Red's like, you know, um, there were bikers, nothing made sense. Like, I don't know what the fuck was going on. Um, it was just like, there were hippies. <laughs> like, what a weird, like, conglomerate his, his, of people. His descriptions, he goes, Jesus freaks, crazy evil. <laughs> and then yeah. the, when he was like, what happened, man? And the simple explanation, they lit her on fire. <laughs> yeah. But they, um, he, Carruthers actually explains who these black skulls were. And he says, um, you know, about the stories of where they were coming from. And he's like, first it was stories from the interstate, leaving truckers for dead, uh, prostitutes vanishing and gutted bodies on doorsteps and always the same, a biker gang. Um, and they're black bikes, only seen at night, weird shit. Um, there are some stories that there was a chapter that ran courier for a manufacturer of LSD. Uh, he took a disliking to them and cooked them up a special batch, and they have never been right in the head since. Yeah. So some some corrupted LSD turned yeah. them into these. And then I, and I love Carruthers. He says, he's like, I'll be honest with you, your odds aren't good, and you'll probably <laughs> yeah. die. And then and Nick Cage like, just simply says, don't be negative. <laughs> I laughed so, so much at that because I was like, yeah, we don't need that kind of negativity here. I, I don't need that right now from you. <laughs> you could have stopped at do. the You could have stopped at the information, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but um I really like Carruthers, even though he's only in the film for a little bit. He he lives out in these like massive camper van somewhere and off grid and he seems pretty happy. Yeah, we, we, we'll never um, uh, turn down a Bill Duke cameo in there. Yeah, it was great. Um, and then, so this is where we have this montage scene of Red uh, forging this, like, massive axe that he's going to use to kill these, uh, well, everybody, really. <laughs> it's not like he's got any particular target because he literally just kills everybody. Yeah. Spoiler he's alert. Gonna get, he's gonna get he's gonna get the skulls, he's gonna get the children, literally them all. And, and the LSD uh maker just because. <laughs> like yeah, everybody. Well, I mean everybody. like I've like I've always said to my siblings, because my siblings are like ten years younger than me, so they're in their like recreational drug use phase that I've been through already. And mm. I've literally said to them, only get drugs from people you trust. Like, mm -hmm. don't don't get it from some stranger you meet at a nightclub. Don't be doing that. Or or from a scientist that has a pet tiger. Probably, that. probably shouldn't get LSD from him. <laughs> no. <laughs> Although that was really cool. 
so this is where we have the title card, Mandy. And obviously this is his revenge now. And it's not about Red. It's about Mandy. Hour and, and 15 minutes in. <laughs> an, an hour and 15 minutes into this hour and 55 minute movie, we <laughs> finally get Mandy, Mandy the title card. <laughs> love it. Um, so I love this because there's like a little bit of a montage of Red chasing after the biker gang and he comes across them one uh, like at night and he's shooting one with a crossbow uh, and then proceeds to ram into him and it causes like Red to lose control of the car and crashes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, he is like, he is, doesn't even care. He's like, I'm, I, I'm probably going to die doing this. Yeah, like he is going, he is going all out, like does not care. So like he gets knocked out, gets captured for a hot minute, but then like no, he's he's dispatches of the black skulls like pretty pretty quickly. Yeah, and it's so weird because the black skulls just live in like some random like like squat house. Is like so gross. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like I mean. Shout out to the, like, production and set design, like, in general, because, like, as beautiful and, like, amazing as they made, like, Red and Mandy's cabin, this, like, little squat house is just so nasty. Like, I can smell it. There's just food and dishes everywhere. (laughs) There's dishes and drinks and piles of Coke and just, like, it is just, and, like, the lights are all flickering. Just, it looks so disgusting. (laughs) Yeah, like you're gonna you're gonna need a tetanus shot coming out up out of that place. Like, yeah, the like I mean, yeah, we we do see Red drive away at the end, but he might be hallucinating because I think uh, some he might have got infected from that squalor house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but there's like, um, I love this because like Red is able to like. Um, like knock off one of the guards and he finds just a random like box cutter and he's using that to like stab other members of this gang. Um, It's just, but when he slits the throat of one of those black skull members, I was like, Oh, and he just lets it fall on his face. And he's like, he's like basking in it. He's like, ah, it's, I was just like, oh, I love this because that for me, that's my Nick Cage. Like that, man- like that maniacal oh, yeah. laugh. You're like, that's it for me. <laughs> oh yeah, like the laugh and like when he like bulges his eyes out. You know, it's like okay, now we're, we're like we're 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 in prime time now. <laughs> but I love that he's yelling, "You ripped my shirt! You ripped my shirt!" <laughs> Yeah, because it was one of his favorites. He still had the 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 tiger shirt underneath, like his like little battle armor. Yeah, you get my shirt. <laughs> the way he says stuff is just oh, it's so good. He's just lost the plot at this stage, and I love that he like rewards himself with a line of coke. Yeah, he's like, I did like, a good job. Like, yeah, takes a big old blade because like. He doesn't have time for uh take a break. He can't relax. So he says, no. you know, the party's got to keep going. So let me take a big old scoop and keep going. Uh, oh, and they, that's when he tries the little dip the of LSD. the acid. It just looks so gross. Like, I wouldn't trust oh, yeah. that. I wouldn't trust that. Ugh. I know. It like, looks like mucusy. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I like how he's just like, oh, I just want to see what it's like. I just, I just want to see. And then, like, almost immediately, there's like these apocalyptic images that he's like hallucinating. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, whoa. <laughs> That's a bit too much for me. Right. And he's like, mm, no, I'm good. <laughs> mm, that's it for me. Thanks. Um, and as he goes to leave, he gets his skull, uh, not his skull, his axe. And one of the black skulls says to him, she's still burning. And uh, he just like hacks this guy <laughs> to like smithereens. Like he like just, yeah, like kept repeating it too. Like, she burns, she burns. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's so good. And I'd love that at the end, Red just lights up a cigarette and carries on. He's like, all right, off to the next slot. Let's go. I'm on a mission. I've got somewhere to be. Uh, So he goes to this, like, it's like a water tower or something. And he, that's where this chemist that created this LSD um, that was given to the bikers uh, was like, um, Hanging out. That's his, like, a lair? Is it a lair? A a lair almost? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's definitely a lair. Um, And I just love this, because as he comes in, the lights are, like, flicking on, like, one at a time. And I was like, oh, I love when they do things like that. It's so cool. Yeah. And just, like, one by one, then we see uh, Lizzie the tiger in the corner uh, just chilling. And it's just like, wait, what? And, like, and, like, don't get me wrong, I love this scene. Any excuse to just, like, listen to Richard Brake talk is pretty great. But at the same time, it's like, what? what What are we doing here for a minute, you know? But at the same time, like, I do like this random detour because it does, like, kind of, uh, we do get a chance to, like, kind of empathize with, like, Red for, like, a minute, like, while he's, like, on this revenge path. Because, like, the chemist is just like, oh, man, dude, they, you were wrong, man. I'm sorry. And it's like, oh. Yeah. Like, okay thank you thanks yeah thank you and i just love the 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 tiger but um they're also speaking telepathically to each other and i was like what yeah i guess he knows that from the acid or whatever which he apparently that's what he has lizzie for he says uh you know the acid's good when she's calm and it's like "Uh, oh that's that's fucked up but also that's wild like so that's that's the acid we're working with <laughs> but i like that red also frees the tiger and he's kind of like all right bye yeah and then he's just like bye lizzie <laughs> <laughs> i was like oh yeah bye bye and there's a, like that shot of the tiger against the sunset and red's just like waving as he rides off on this four-wheeler that he's stolen yeah, fun little <sighs> detour. Hey, it looks like he had a good time. I'm not going to lie. It looks like he had a good but, time. Yeah, but then so now after the bikers are done, now it's time. He's like, all right, cult people are fucking next. <laughs> you're, we're, we're coming for you. You're, you're done for. So he catches up with Lucy and Swan um, just before he gets to uh, where Sand is hiding out. Um, and he impales Swan through the mouth with the handle of his axe which he's also fashioned into like a blade mm-hmm. i was like this is uh multi-purpose oh yeah it's like some that's like a D weapon it's pretty great <laughs> when and i do he D&D just like, doesn't really one. 
He like does it really slowly too, like as he like just pushes it in. He's just like, mm, like you know, like because you deserve this. But I like he's that he like, lets mm. um, I like that he lets uh, Sister Lucy go though. Yeah, well, he realizes that um, you know, she's not a threat to him. Yeah, she's, he's like, off you go. Um, so it turns out Sam's been hanging out in a converted satanic church. <laughs> Which I was ironic like, okay. for the guy that yeah. yeah didn't didn't you compare yourself to Jesus? I'm confused, man. <laughs> yeah, well, it's kind of like you you keep your enemies close. The irony. Your, fr- your friends close, your enemies closer. So obviously, you know, a Jesus cult would be in a satanic church, right? That makes sense. Yeah, true. No one would suspect that they're there. That's uh, true. So. <laughs> He heads in with a with his axe and a chainsaw, killing off like all of these members of the cult on his way in. And the coloring of this part is just phenomenal. And it's like um, this like early morning feeling, like uh, mm-hmm. like a sunrise with the red and the and the orange. And it's just so like ah, mm, oh, it's hard to describe. Yeah. Well, the well in um in the interview that I was reading, Panos like kind of describes like you know this like transformation that like Greg goes from from like you know like unleashing like you know he already you can tell he like had you know this part of him that he like tucked away you know like he had like put this like part of himself behind him, but then like after this you know he's you know has this you know terrible wrongness happen to him. he describes him as turning into a demigod and like just going on like he's a demigod he's unstoppable he's ignited with this like power and like there's nothing you can do and um and i whenever nick cage has a chainsaw fight with the guy like i mean i literally said like that was me in the theater i I remember whispering myself i went fuck yes (laughs) like when they got he, he walks up with the chainsaw and the guy brings out a longer chainsaw mind you which was also hilarious i go i go fuck yes a chainsaw fight that's yeah. what this movie needed if there was anything that could have been added to this film it's that and they did it and it's just fucked up insane like oh he, it's like, so wraps good this huge chain around his neck and like uh, pulls him onto his own chainsaw and like cuts so his face good. off. I was like, "Fuck!" Because like I so love, um, I love gore and like a re- I love when a movie will have a ridiculous amount of blood. It's just like oh, it same. Is like for me, same. I love egregious amounts of blood. I am always here for it. There is never enough blood that you can have in my opinion (laughs) and um i love that yeah like this one definitely um like i love that kill so much and uh and like isn't this also like because there was still one of the gang uh bikers there and he like caught it on fire or something like chopped its head off and then like lit a cigarette off of it yeah i mean mean, doesn't i mean come on come on that that uh whoever came up with that idea obviously um you know uh, the director and whatnot but just like going yeah let's do a chainsaw fight and this happens and then he lights a cigarette off someone's head and it's just like imagine trying to explain that to someone who doesn't watch horror like they'd be like oh right like yeah this this very specific sequence of events but like i mean this is everything that you want in 
you know, a Nick Cage horror movie. And like, that's, it's yeah. so great. Like if I went out and tried to explain it to my grandma, she'd be like, what the fuck are you watching? What do you mean? <laughs> she'd be like, you get the fuck out. Yeah, like, it, no, the, the chainsaw fight, it's, it, I'm telling you, it's great. <laughs> you will love it. <laughs> She'd be like, you're disgusting, get you. out of here. <laughs> um, so Red enters the church, and I really like how the church is kind of set up. It's like cobblestone almost, in a way, like um, with its like the arches and stuff going in. It's really old. Or it might even be under the church. I'm not too sure. Yeah, like, um, it's it's very cool looking. It, like, also, like, I like how it's just, like, kind of, like, in this, like, middle, it's, like, in this area of just, like, nothingness and, like, mm. just, like, darkness, you know? And then, like, once you, like, go in, it, like, feels like you, like, are, like, kind of going into this, like, weird, like, void. Uh, the, the very interesting vibe. Yeah, it's, you're being, like, teleported through something into this, like, weird, I don't know, because sand is just awkward through this whole scene. And uh, but before I... that, sorry, what was that? Oh, go. Oh, I was just yeah. This this whole scene, like I appreciate it so much because it's again not your typical showdown, you know. Like because like again, like this isn't like you know Red had to like fight hard to like get. I mean, he did have to fight hard, but like you know get to this point and then now there's gonna be this dramatic like you know one-on-one equal mono mono showdown no 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 like we already know jeremiah is a nothing and so it's like he literally goes from like i mean he's just talking and like nick case just lets him talk for like five like you know five ten minutes of just like and he goes from you know hyping himself up saying how he's all special he's better than red and then yeah just immediately goes to begging for his life and offering to suck red's dick in a matter of yeah. like five minutes <laughs> yeah because he literally says like i don't kneel before you you kneel before me i carry god's gift in my heart not you so kneel before me motherfucker and like red doesn't have to say anything he's just like i'll let you nothing i'll, I'll let you you get it all out let's let's get it all out and then all of a sudden you see jeremiah like you shift into this like um vulnerable like oh fuck this guy's he doesn't care about what i'm saying he's gonna kill me like goes so desperate like goes like so desperate into any desperation from again like not saying like you kneel before me and then he's literally on his knees like five minutes later yeah um and it's just so great and like yeah and then like but this 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 kill though i mean (sighs) is just so good Saying I'm your god now before smashing someone's head in is the most metal thing you could do. It's yeah. it simply is. <laughs> it's um I really like that he squeezes his head so tightly before he smashes it, um, that his like eyes are bulging out of his skull and then his head just like turns to jelly in Red's hands. And so I know good. that's probably like him hallucinating a little bit, like <laughs> A little bit yeah, of that drugs. might. Be, yeah, that might be where the <laughs> drug parts are like kind of leaking in. But like, yeah, again, like the fact they wanted to squeeze his face hard first to like inflict the pain before he's just like, okay, now I'm gonna just like yeah. smash your face. And it's like also like how cathartic it is for Red. Like, like I literally put in my notes. I was like, it, it's like he's like orgasming right now. Like, cause like he's like literally moaning 
at like yeah. how like you know cathartic this like kill is for him after like again like you said like squeezing a man's head into liquid um is just like you know like it's like amazing yeah he fucking he loved being able to kill him and i don't think there's anything wrong with that that's cool i was like yeah you get your revenge fuck yeah um yeah. so he basically like sets the church on fire and gets the fuck out of there he gets Watches out the and he <laughs> <laughs> yeah i love the you know and he's like in this delirious phase so it's like you know the scene of him driving away and they like hallucinates mandy yeah. in the seat and then we just go back to nick cage doing a classic nick cage face <laughs> the smile on his face i was like oh my god i love this. oh i i yeah i was just like this is amazing and i love how the it's interesting that um they chose to go with uh silent credits or, yeah. Like after like this being so operatic, you know, uh throughout this film and then just like they just like went with the silent credits like kind of more to like kind of bring you back to like reality after like the fantasy maybe. Yeah, I really love this overhead shot of him driving away and the world is basically on fire as he's driving through yeah. like these mountains and I was just like, wow, that looks so that looks really hot. <laughs> yeah, and it's like also like on like a like floating plane of sorts, and it's like, what yeah. is going on here? So yeah, in a weird, weird fantasy world, but I, I dig it though. Yeah. I really I loved this film more the second time I watched it than the first time. Mm -hmm. Definitely dug it more watching it like the second time around. I was like, okay, cool. I'm not taking notes this time, so I get to watch the film. I get to really like just be an observer in yeah. this space now and yeah it's definitely different i mean there's just so much to take in like i mean like there's a lot to chew on in this movie uh there's just like you know like looking at every inch of this movie and like the backgrounds like you know it's like this is one of those movies like the the you know the phrase like every frame of painting like type of movie like this is one of those movies like you could pause it at any moment it's just like wow that looks amazing like yeah i mean it's just like and it's like it's overwhelming like i remember like the first time i saw it like i mean again i was on a bunch of edibles but like it was like it was like a, the it was like the same feeling that i had when i watched like the original suspiria like i was just overwhelmed yeah. by like how beautiful it was like and just like letting it like wash over me and it was just oh so great yeah i don't know if i would have been able to handle it watching it on edibles i would have been like oop nope no 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 not today <laughs> just because oh, I mean, i've watched i've watched this on shrooms before too oh, watching on shrooms is pretty that's pretty wild that's it's pretty <laughs> great it's a it's a great shrooms movie for sure hmm, interesting shrooms are something i haven't done since i was like 19 or 20 it's a really long time ago you know, microdosing is really great. Like I've done uh, that more than like anything in the like past year or so. Like we we yeah. we've spent a lot of time out in the desert, like just because it's like kind of easy to like get to, and it's like cheap Airbnbs out there and stuff. Or like hmm. I also have friends that have like land out there, so it's like nice That's to just cool. like kind of be in the desert, microdosing. Like you don't have to like 
go on like the like full on trip you know like, yeah me i would rather just like microdose and watch a movie and like that be mm. like my thing and this is like a, a, a like you would think it might be a little intense but it's it's really not it's like still yeah. a really great uh watch yeah i've done some research on microdosing because um they had started doing a microdosing study for mdma here for mm-hmm. um people with ptsd and i was like oh fuck yeah let's sign me up and then i was like no cat they're not gonna give you a whole bunch <laughs> of mdma you fucking idiot <laughs> i was yeah. like yeah give me mdma and i'll go home and hang out <laughs> fuck yeah they're getting they're getting uh close to legalizing um uh certain um uh, like shrooms and uh hallucinogens here in the yeah. states like it's uh it's coming it's coming along yeah um someone uh like i because i listened to last podcast on the left and one of the hosts he micro uh doses cybacillin and he says he has bipolar and anxiety and depression and all these things and he says it's been really helpful for him alongside like his like um like the chemical drugs that he does have to take i was Mm -hmm. like oh that's interesting interesting yeah, I wouldn't yeah. know about micro, like how to microdose, and shrooms are kind of one of those things that are hard to get here. Mm. Yeah, I'm no, pretty sure my like, brother-in-law had a setup at one point. Yeah, <laughs> like I mean, d- like knowing how to like dose, you know, things properly is like always kind of the key to like you know, like unlocking these like more therapeutic uh, uh, effects that they can have. Yeah, absolutely. You know, for sure. Yeah, I wish I was. Um, in the states <laughs> it's so hard and we're so conservative and so like anti-progressive when it comes to like uh even like just natural therapies you know and coexisting that with you know pharmaceutical therapies and it's so yeah there's a very big divide between the two oh yeah i'm like i mean using it for like you know not only just like anxiety therapy but also for like um um you know a lot of places that are trying to um use it for all pain alternatives you know because of yeah you know how bad the opioids are here yeah that they're trying to like use these things for like alternative pain management which is like really exciting yeah me i'm just like just give me a whole bunch of mdma (laughs) like yes i will do your trial yeah i'll do your trial i'll fucking hang out how long do i have to be here for because like i don't have an attention span so like you gotta like get me within the first three seconds of being here (laughs) I mean, if I was going to do, like, a trial that involved, like, doing a bunch of MDMA all the time, I'd be like, all right, here's the thing, guys. I got to be able – I need to set up my room how I want it, and I, here's here's my writer with I need um, all, these all my all my snacks, all the – I need a TV. I need these specific movies. I need – like, here's my writer, but I'll, I Very will specific. do this. Like uh, it, it was back, at, the vibes um, have to be right. The vibes have to be yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. And they're going to be like, well, we're actually not going to give you enough that you will feel like you need those things. And I'd be like, well, I'm not in. I'm not in. Hey, you you don't tell getting... me how to trip, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you don't tell me how to trip. I'll trip how I want. You and your medical certificate. It has your doctor, people, lady. No, you don't tell me how to do it. I'll do it my way. Yeah, because they were, um, it was like a, one of the universities was doing a medical study mm. with um, a psychiatric hospital. So I was like, oh, sign me up. I'll do anything if I can feel a little bit better about myself. Because right. what they were doing was actually microdosing people with MDMA and then on, um, 
having them talk about their trauma in a euphoric yeah. way. And I was like, okay, I can mm-hmm. do that. I can fucking do that. Let's go. Yeah. It, I mean, that sounds like pretty much the same way that, um, like, uh, like combo therapy works. Like that's pretty much how it is. They like kind of have this like intense, you know, hallucinogenic, uh, experience, but then it comes, it like purges like all the toxins. So then it's like, you like trip really hard and then you're like puking shit a bunch, but then they do like mental, like trauma unpacking afterwards. Yeah. And then you're like, you're like super vulnerable and just like open and like, it like helps you like unpack it. And uh, like, if you're not familiar, a combo is uh, uh, from a frog secretion, <laughs> um, but is also like, um, again, like kind of being used in the, the pain management treatment, but then also like unpacking like wow. mental trauma as well. Yeah. Cause I literally pay $200 a session and go to therapy and talk about like really superficial stuff. And I'm like, I, I don't want to bring up my trauma. I don't want to talk about that. But if I was on MDMA, you could get me to talk about anything. So <laughs> dang, that's like, expensive therapy. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we get it rebated. So like our government oh, okay. gives oh, us, uh, we get $80 back, uh, but you have to well, pay up front and then, yeah, it's all right. It's look, I'll go anyway. My therapist is really cool. Oh, I'll pay great. just to hang out with her. <laughs> <laughs> right. And just to like, just be like, yeah, we're chilling. We're chilling. Hey, we're just hanging out. I just tell her about my week and she's just like, so anyway, um, are we going to talk about this? And I'm just like, nope. no, we're not. Not today. <laughs> This is my session. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> I just um, had the traumatic realization that it's Friday and I missed my session today. Oh no! As soon as you, as soon as you brought up hanging out, and I go, wait a second. Wait a minute. <laughs> I was oh, supposed no. to. Wait, no. Oh, oh no. <laughs> oh. Oh, that sucks. I'm sorry. Oops. Oops. I know how that feels. <laughs> Do you have to pay oh, for yeah. your session even if you don't go? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah. That's yeah. Nice. But it's all good. <sighs> Worth it. <laughs> Tell them it's a panorama and that they should just l- let you make it up. It'll be great because then that means he's just going to roast me harder next week. So it'll be all good. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's why that's that's what I need. I need to fire him up. <laughs> Give him a reason to roast you. <laughs> uh, so that is Mandy. What a great film! Thank you. It, yeah, no, I'm so glad that this was uh, your first time watching, and like, and like, for anybody that is like, you know, especially a Nick Cage enthusiast, like, I mean. This is, I mean, this is it. Like I said, like, this is every, you know, aspect of, like, you know, know, we get stoic Nick Cage, we get charming Nick Cage, we get buckwild Nick Cage, we get insane Nick Cage. Like, I mean, we get literally everything. And, like, even his dramatic chops, you know, flexing those too, like, selling the, like, you know, emotion of, you know, him losing, you know, someone he loves. Like, I mean, like, we literally get everything. So, I mean, this is great. And especially, like I said, like, I just love how much he's been playing in the genre world lately. And like, and he has like, you know, even more coming. So it's like, it's super exciting right now. If you are a horror fan and also a Nick Cage fan, which you should be because nobody shouldn't be. And I will come for you if you don't like Nick Cage, because that just means you're silly. (laughs) Uh, 
So as I ask every uh, guest every week, what's the last horror movie you watched? Uh, the last horror movie I watched, what did I watch? I had my letterbox up. Let's see. Um, oh, the last one I watched was uh, Jacob's Wife on Shudder. Oh, what did you Shutter. think? Um, I was uh, disappointed by it. Okay. Um, I knew a lot of people were big fans, and I like I really love Larry Fessenden and Barbara Crampton. Um, but it was, um, I don't know. It just, uh, it kind of, it just kind of felt a little slow to me. I like their interesting kind of take on, uh, vampires. I like alternative vampire stories. So like, you know, that was fun. And like, I mean, Barbara Crampton is a queen. So like, I mean, I'll watch anything she's in. I don't really care the quality, but, um, it was, it was a little underwhelming, not going to lie, but you know, it was what it is. Yeah. I think I gave it a two and a half or a three on letterbox yeah i gave it a i gave it a two and a half yeah i was like i'm probably not gonna watch this again <laughs> yeah oh i think i'll watch it again because i just really love that scene where she throws up like 600 liters of blood on her like living room floor oh so good <laughs> i was like fuck yeah <laughs> yeah i was like that is a lot of blood love it <laughs> <laughs> love it like how is that even possible yeah and just her like weird vampire stalker boyfriend i was like i gotta like them yeah Uh, i mean you know like uh, their their chemistry together was really was really fun but i didn't like the um the like overtness of like the themes they were kind of going for and like especially they like like when you the dialogue is just like literally saying the themes out loud and it was like Okay, like yeah, no, I I got it, I got it, but thank you. Um, Thanks. But like, I do love how uh, gruesome it does get when yeah. it does, because like That's it is so definitely bloody. <laughs> I was just like, fuck it, yes. <laughs> like I'll be sitting in my room watching horror movies and yell fuck yes, and my grandma's just like, what's what what happened? What's happened in there? <laughs> that blood. that's your yeah. You you know it's good when you when you say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so where can people find you and your podcast on social media or on the internet? Whatever you want to Yeah, Bloody Blunt Cinema Club is on all your uh, local podcast things. So just uh, go ahead and search it. And uh, you can uh, follow it on Twitter and Instagram at Bloody Blunt CC. And then you can find me on Twitter and, and Instagram at underscore Daddy Disco. I make a uh, make little short films i do a little photography uh i make some music i even have a song on spotify so check that out as well it's called oh, that's, really, that's really cool actually i think i saw you post about it on twitter recently yeah yeah i actually i just put out like a little vlog a little vlog series thing that i'm doing that kind of like explain the story behind each song that i'm making so that's yeah. so cool what a great idea oh why thank you <laughs> so thank you thank you for joining me and and talking about such a kick-ass film yes thank you so much for having me i will talk about nick cage for hours on end <laughs> anytime and thank you to all of you for listening if you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast please share it with your friends post about it on facebook who uses facebook um or leave a rating and review so to catch all the latest from me you can follow me at on Twitter at Catstead underscore or the podcast at TGIF pod. You've been listening to TGIF. See you next Friday.